37th parallel on America's haunted highway, it's Pixelated Paranormal, your guide to the unusual and the strange. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Pixelated Paranormal, episode 131. Wow. And this one, due to unforeseen circumstances, may be a little shorter than normal, because apparently there is a nasty set of bugs going around getting people ill. I had to work a double today because of it, and so we're a little late getting the notes put together. But have no fear... What were you going to say, Presto? Oh, it was also like an episode I, I, I felt like uh, got put together by synchronicity, so... <laughs> it really, it did. It's very interesting yeah. because even the news story uh, that I came across kind of folds into it pretty nicely, so yeah. Yeah, we got to get another one here, guys. Fast and loose. That's, 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 <laughs> you will never not it. giggle. <laughs> I won't say it. Right. No, it's going to be, it's going to be a quick one. Very minimal editing. It's just Preston and I on this one here, because again, kind of super last minute due to my uh, work schedule, but Presto, uh, anything new with you starting out, man? Anything fun and exciting? Um, Chiefs won the Super Bowl. Whoop, whoop. Fuck yeah, they did. Yeah. I could, I could give a lick about sports, but I am unbelievably excited uh, for every single one of you Chiefs fans out there that has been wanting this for 50 years. Yeah. And uh, we'll get into that a bit more because that kind of <laughs> has a little bit to do with our story. Yeah, oddly it enough. Does. <laughs> We're talking about haunted footballs. <laughs> Just kidding. No, but um, yeah, I uh, I have a little news announcement myself. I am doing Sober February. Why Sober February? Because it only has 29 days. <laughs> <laughs> because it's two days shorter than January. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Yeah, I logged my 700th beer on Untapped, and I figured maybe I should dry out the old uh, pipes. Yeah. So there you go. Well, let's not waste any more time, and I think uh, we'll get started with the news. But actually, it's not really a news story, presto. It's a blast from the distant past. Coming at you from the 37th parallel, from the basement of a mad scientist, it's more fantastical tales of robots. So uh, a video surfaced online, and I forget who tagged us in it, so my deepest apologies. Farley Somebody... tagged us Oh, was that. it Farley? Hell yeah, Farley, thanks, dude. Yeah. So yeah, again, in the synchronicity of how this show all lines up, Farley tagged us in a video about a robot gorilla infiltrating as a spy a troop of bigger silverback gorillas in Uganda. And the video itself wasn't too informational as far as what the hell was going on. We'll post a link because it's actually pretty adorable. But basically, the video has the narrator, who's David Tennant, by the way. And I mean, listen, Morgan Freeman, scoot over. I could listen to David Tennant just fucking narrate anything. But basically, the video is about three minutes long, and it shows this animatronic baby gorilla who has a camera in one of the eyeballs, and it's sitting there in a jungle, and it's approached by a troop of, you know, Ugandan silverback gorillas. And these gorillas approach, and everyone's really inquisitive. And then Big Daddy Silverback, you know, approaches and starts kind of doing these test charges and these uh, bluff charges at this little robot. And meanwhile, the people, you know, maneuvering it are just making it blink and turn its head and move its hands. 
it looks nothing like an actual gorilla as far as like the texture of the fur, but it's number one, adorable nonetheless. And number two, pretty freaking neat because the animatronics are just, you know, sophisticated enough. It somewhat tricks these gorillas and these gorillas end up backing off. The silverback yeah. walks up. The gorillas aren't that smart, so it's not like they had to put a lot of detail into it. Like they just <laughs> had to put a little effort. <laughs> right. But uh, it's cool. Yeah, the, the 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 leader of the pack, so to speak, shows up, bluffs a little bit, and then finally allows the rest of the pack to kind of, you know, warm up to it. So then it shows them start to play, and it explains how, you know, adult gorillas bang on their chest to show seniority and, you know, separate the alpha males. And baby gorillas bang on their chests to play, and then one of the baby gorillas runs over and tackles the robot gorilla knocking it on his back. And then it backs up and gives a, oh, shit, I killed it look because the <laughs> animatronic gorilla doesn't get up. <laughs> and then, I mean, the narration should have been like, uh, I'm just going to, yeah, all right. And then the, the gorilla walks away, jumps on its dad's back, and kind of looks over like, what are you talking about? I didn't do that. <laughs> it wasn't me. Right. And then it moves around a little bit more. And, of course, the, the robot gorilla gets back up. But what I found out is this is actually from series two of the BBC's Spy in the Wild, where they take over three years to film a season of, uh, what do they say, 26 different animatronic animals um, to basically infiltrate and provide a more intimate look on a documentary-style research project about wild animals in the jungles. And I think they said they had like a fully functional floating pygmy elephant, a baby jaguar, a puffin, among an army of now 51 different spy creatures or animatronic robot spies. And it just looks so flippin' impressive. Um, like I said, it's season two right now. I think season one consisted of five different episodes, but man, they had all sorts of stuff. They had like hyenas, I think koalas, turtles, all sorts of really cool stuff. And, you know, there's that uncanny valley because they don't all look perfect. But again, like you said, these animals aren't that, um, I don't want to say intelligent. That's not fair. But they're not that smart to really notice. <laughs> yeah, they're not I mean, real. As long as it looks like a gorilla and smells like a gorilla, it passes. Like, Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, it passes. It passes. So, yeah, you guys got to check that out. We're going to post the link. Uh, to the video I was talking about in the show notes on the Instagram, on the Facebook and whatnot. So definitely check it out. And then, I don't know, somehow find a way. I think this whole series looks badass. Yeah. And like 51 different animal robots they've made, that's pretty yeah. slick. So no, Did they say what network it's going to be on? Like, Is it going to be like a Disney Plus, a Netflix? No, I'm assuming it's just straight up like BBC, the BBC yeah. network. So I don't, I don't know. Maybe we can look a little more deeper into that and see if maybe at least season one might be streaming somewhere. Yeah. But yeah, BBC Spy in the Wild. So let that be said that uh, not every single robot's trying to take our job or kill us. Sometimes they're just cute and adorable voyeurs. And that's probably one robot that, uh, you know, Rob wouldn't like to <clears throat> <laughs> leave that there. Leave that there. I don't know, man. I mean... <laughs> Yeah, never mind. <laughs> Save myself some editing for this episode. So, speaking of bizarre things in jungles, Preston, why don't you kind of lead us into the main crux of this uh, this conversation we're about to have with how things kind of led up 
to the topic of your dad sharing some more war stories with us. Yeah, so was it uh, two episodes ago we covered Hellier Season 2? Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, we were talking about uh, the slough, was, yeah. which was the term of small, little, ugly fuckers. And that was a term in the, the documentary that they talked about how soldiers had used that in Vietnam as a slur against, uh, you know, the, the, the Viet Cong, the, the enemy. And um, the main guy in there, Terry Wrist, was a tunnel rat who um, had mentioned that a lot of Vietnam or Vietnam soldiers had reported seeing like weird creatures and stuff inside the tunnels. And Dad was in fact a tunnel rat. And so we had kind of talked on that show about well, Rob had said, now you know maybe ask your dad, you know, see if uh, he you know will talk about what he saw in the tunnels. And so we went over and celebrated Super Bowl 50 with the old man um, because his first Super Bowl that he got to watch when he got back from Nam was in 69, and that was the year that the Chiefs played the Vikings and won. So ever since Mm -hmm. then, Dad has been a huge Chiefs fan, and uh, as a kid, since uh, Dad didn't like to sit in chairs and sit on couches like normal people, he always laid across the floor, so... Watching all the Dirty Harrys, all the Predators, all the Aliens, all the Beverly Hill Cops, and countless movies with the old man, and Sunday Night Football, um, I used his big fat uh, belly as a pillow, and uh, <laughs> we watched movies, and we watched the Chiefs games all the time, so Jeffrey had thought that, you know, with his health, kind of, you know, being spotty here and there, that this would be a really great opportunity to watch the Chiefs play the Super Bowl with him, because we never know mm-hmm. when it's going to happen again. Right, so, sure. Yeah, so we we went out there, and uh, when we got out there, he had wanted to go to town and run some errands, and so as we were driving into Wichita, we kind of started talking about the Vietnam War because they got wireless internet, um, and with that came a Roku, and he discovered Netflix. I put my Netflix account on there for him, <laughs> and he was watching the, the Vietnam documentary that's on Netflix right now, and so we got to start talking about things, and I said, hey, you know, I got to ask you something. I'm like, you know, on the show, we covered this topic about the tunnels, and will, will you tell me, you know, be honest with me, you don't have to worry about ridicule, but did you ever see you know, goblins or anything weird in the tunnels. And did you ever heard the term slough? And so I explained to him what it was. And he said, you know, that's not a term that he ever heard, but he wouldn't discount it because, you know, each regiment or each group of soldiers kind of had their own terminology, kind of had their own thing. So he started to kind of go into the different stuff that his, you know, um, whatever you want to call it, troop of soldiers, um, What's the term that I'm looking for? Anyways, his group of soldiers, um, they had used like uh, there was a bug out in the jungles that was akin to the cicada. Mm-hmm. And when it rubbed its wings together, it made a noise that sounded like it was saying, fuck you, fuck you. So they called it the fuck you bug. And um, <laughs> when they were when they were doing recon, he said that they would get up to where the tree was, where the fuck you bugs were in there. And then if they stayed there long enough, the bugs would get used to them and they would calm down. But then as the enemy soldiers were moving in the area, they would pick up that pheromone or the scent of the other soldiers and they start saying, fuck you again. So that's what put the soldiers on alert. They would know, okay, we got enemy enemy in the area. What a badass way 
Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but what a badass way to infiltrate and use <laughs> the surroundings, you know, yeah. to your benefit. That's so rad. Yeah, and uh, he said when he was in the tunnels, he didn't see goblins, but he also said that he wouldn't discount that either because he has said that, uh, you know, he did see some pretty strange things like um, spiders that were maybe a little bit bigger than what spiders should be. <laughs> and uh, he was like, there were these bright orange snakes. And he's like, you know, they didn't glow, but they were so vibrant that like when the flashlight hit them, like they just, I mean, they lit up the whole cave. And they called them the kiss your ass uh, goodbye snakes because whenever that snake would bite you, the venom was so powerful that you would be dead within seconds. So that was the kiss your <laughs> ass goodbye snake. And so we start talking about the tunnels and, you know, he was saying that um, those tunnels were so big that there were like whole cities that would open up in caverns. So you had like uh, hospitals, you had command posts. Um, and for the amount of time between when the Vietnam War started and the troops got over there, there wasn't enough time for those soldiers to dig those tunnels out because he's like, you know, you would would have seen like the would have seen like the dirt mounds. He's like, you would have seen evidence that they were actually excavating all that earth out. And he's like, we never saw that. So they mm -hmm. always felt like when they were over there and they were discovering these tunnel systems, that it was something that had been there for a very long time, and that the Viet Cong re just repurposed it. So back up a bit. Legitimately, you're saying that they found tunnels that led to vast caverns that legitimately had actual like building structures inside of them. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And now, this isn't like they had a bunch of like shops and like subways and fucking McDonald's, but they had like building structures and whatnot. Yeah. And they, okay. and then the Viet Cong, like, and there were already structures there that they had repurposed, but then also they threw up like, tents that had like you know medical supplies and like hospital okay, beds. gotcha gotcha and gotcha. he had, uh, found a tunnel that led up into the mountainside and when he got in, broke through and got into the cavern he said like there were pillars there was something that was akin to like an altar and it looked like a place of worship but it was filled full of these giant cheese logs that were like uh demolition like c4 so he called it back in and his co said dude get rid of it like blow it up you know, confiscate what you can, but get rid of everything. So since it already had wiring in some of the logs, dad just hooked up um, some a, a detonator to it and then got down the mountain and detonated and blew the top of the mountain off. And um, I'll see if I can find it and maybe we can post it in the show notes, but I actually had the newspaper article that he saved that talked about him blowing the mountain off. And oh, find, wow. And finding like this huge cache of um, explosives from, you know, the Viet Cong. <laughs> So this the, it really it really interests me that you know when he walked in he described it as like seeing pillars that you know there was like almost like an altar there and that they just repurposed it for an ammunition dump but it you know maybe 500 years 800 years a thousand years in the past it had been something else and so we start talking about rock apes because he really wanted to talk about rock apes right and that's uh, going to lead into our main topic. So when I asked him about the rock apes, he said that uh, why he was in the jungle um, doing recon, that he came across them several times. Um, he described them as being maybe, oh, five feet, five, you know, five, six, five, seven. They weren't tall like Americans. And mm -hmm. so they, they always got, um, uh, they always got, they were always confused with Viet Cong soldiers because they basically they're about the same height 
as your you know average Vietnamese. They were short in stature, but their heads were elongated. He said they had really elongated arms and like a big pot belly. And he's like, they were oddly shaped. And um, at being at night, he really couldn't get a good look at what color their fur was, like maybe like reddish gray. Um, mm-hmm. But he said that um, they were very elusive. Like if they caught sight of the soldiers on patrol, they would throw rocks. They would throw like sticks, almost like spears at the soldiers. Hmm. And they were they were a nuisance more than anything, um, but uh, the, the actual villagers, like when they would go to a village, um, the villagers really wouldn't talk about it all that much. And then his last year in Vietnam, he got out of jungle recon, and he ended up ba- basically babysitting this village. And um, one night they, you know, they got the sandbag set up, they got the machine guns mounted, and their their job was basically to stop the North Vietnamese raiding this fishing village. And so they were on um, patrol. And in the, the tree line or the jungle line, dad saw a bunch of uh, eye shine, like whites of eyes. And so he's like, oh, shit, we're about to get raided. Um, so he called in a fire strike and they just blew the fuck out of the area. So then the next morning, the CO called in and said, hey, I, I need a report. I need you to go tell me, you know, how many soldiers we got, um, you know, if you can make out um, any rank, anything like that. I need a full detailed report on how many enemy was trying to, you know, raid this village. So dad goes to where the tree line was and he was like, it was a Bigfoot massacre. Um, he was like, there were hairy body parts all over the place. Um, there were no, you know, Viet Cong soldiers. And uh, he goes to turn that in, and his CO said, son, I'm going to tell you right now, there are no damn monkeys out in that forest, and you're going to write in your report that you killed, you know, 15 Viet Cong soldiers, make up some ranks, but you will not put that um, you guys killed a bunch of them damn apes. And so then dad's like, but don't tell anybody that. He's like, don't share that part of the story. And I'm like, yeah. do I edit this out? No, no, no. <laughs> okay, no. Okay. So they, the, the army knew of the existence of these rock apes and they were very adamant that the soldiers were not to talk about it uh, when they came across them because they didn't really know. They knew that they weren't monkeys, like actual like orangutans or anything like that because uh-huh. of all the interactions that the different soldiers had. But they didn't want that to go in an official report that dad blew up a bunch of Bigfoots. So he was told just to basically say that he killed some Viet Cong soldiers and that was the end of it. Wow. And he he'd, he he had always told me that, um, and this is a cool thing with dad, because the more you talk to him, the more you get, um, uh-huh. he opens up more. So when he originally told me that story, he never mentioned anything about that report. He just said, yeah, there were some, you know, them damn monkeys in the trees and we blew them up. But mm-hmm, then he mm-hmm. was like in a really great mood because the Chiefs were going <laughs> to the Super Bowl. So he's like, all right, I'll let you in on this little secret. I'll tell you a little bit more of that story. And I was like, holy shit. Like, Gosh. I was just mind blown that he was told to basically like, nope, we're not talking about them damn monkeys, boy. Yeah. You you text Rob and I and told us kind of, you know, a little bit, a summary of those points you just made. And we were both kind of taken back by that because you shared briefly this story on an episode or two in the past when we've talked about Bigfoot or jungles or, you know, yeah. jungle sightings, but we never got to hear this whole story. So that's, that's pretty yeah. fantastic. And it's funny, like I can, I can definitely attest to your dad's, you know, warming up over time. The first time I met him, it was very cordial. Like, hi, how you doing? Shook his hand. I called him Mr. Gillen, you know, and as the night progressed, he went from being just very stoic to just really animated <laughs> and just getting real warm after, you know, a couple yeah. of hours of hanging out. So that's funny. 
Wow. So do we just call this episode the man who blew up Bigfoot? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's so cool, man. Thank your dad again for sharing that with us. Uh, yeah, well. That, that really is fantastic to, uh, I mean, to hear a firsthand account of someone who dealt with, you know, a, a strange cryptid type creature in the jungle. Yeah. And the fact that, I mean, it's your own pops is just... It's crazy. People, that's why it's important to ask your parents, your yeah. uncles, your aunts, your grandparents, your great-grandparents, you know, what's the weirdest thing they've ever seen or they've ever encountered? Because, again, we started this show with the idea that almost everybody's got a story, and this is, you know, a, a safe place to share those stories. Yeah. So. And, you know, growing up as a kid, like, looking back, we talk, like, you know, we always watch X-Files together and things like that, or we'd watch, like, uh, you know, the Unsolved Mystery, where they had this story about the girl that was home by herself, and, like, Bigfoot tried to, like, break into the cabin or whatever, and, like, all the different stories of, like, alien abductions, like Loch Ness Monster, Dad always would say, well, you know, I, I don't know if I totally buy it, but he's like, I wouldn't discount it. But he was always huh. adamant that Bigfoot was a real thing. Like he 100% believes in Bigfoot. And I think it was because of the experience that he had in Vietnam with the rock apes right. that that's the one that he doesn't discount. Everything else, he'd be like, oh, I mean, it's probably a thing. But Bigfoot, he's like 100% on board. Like, no, that's that's real fucking shit right there. Wow. Well, I mean, we have reports of this that that you know entity across the world with all these yeah. different names, Yowie, Orin Pendek, all those things, man. So yeah. Well, I think um, that kind of brings us to our short little cryptid encounter part nine. This I was going to say the skunk ape. What a marine! <laughs> <laughs> That's the stuff that normally gets cut out. The rock ape. <laughs> <laughs> Now, before we get any farther, I have to give a shout-out to Exemplor.com and the author of this write-up, Darcy Nadell, or Nadell. Um, like I said earlier, I had to work a double, didn't get time to finish up the proper notes, so I'm going to be pulling... the hell's that big plane flying by? Oof. I'm going to be pulling primarily off of this uh, article that she has written up about the rock ape, so, uh, you know, forgive me for potentially plagiarizing here, but... So like you mentioned before, Preston, it's not very uncommon for soldiers who return home from war and, you know, different crises overseas, so to speak, to have reports of seeing strange things in the jungles and the woods, you know, Bigfoots, aliens, Sasquatch, that kind of stuff. However, there is one sighting in particular that seems to be more common than others when it comes to people returning home to the U.S., from the Vietnam War, and that is the aforementioned rock ape of Vietnam. So rock apes, also called the jungle people, are the names given to these creatures that are allegedly seen in multiple parts of Vietnam by countless American soldiers. And just like your dad said, these things seem to be about five to six feet tall, covered in kind of a reddish-brown fur, they have um, human-like faces. The fur kind of seems to stop right around the cheekbones, right around the forehead, and just below the mouth. So they've got a little bit of a, uh, you know, uh, a human-like face that's somewhat bare. They've got long arms and pot bellies, just like your dad mentioned, which I thought was really, really interesting because I doubt he's read this website. <laughs> 
but they said that they're covered in fur except for their hands, their feet, and their knees, which leads people to believe these are the primary points of contact they use to climb trees and branches and mountainsides. They said that a lot of times they'd keep to themselves. However, if a human made unfortunate contact with one of these things, these creatures would become very bold and aggressive and wouldn't have any hesitation in attacking an unlucky onlooker such as an American soldier or a Viet Cong soldier. They said they potentially, sorry, they typically stay out of the sunlight. They don't go out much during the daytime. But around dusk, and especially into the late part of the evening, these things become very, very active. They're also said to use tools such as rocks, spears, and other, you know, weaponry they've actually fastened by hand. Sorry, fashioned by hand. Now, some eyewitness reports that are included on this website. The most prominent says to be from a book published by Craig P.J. Jorgensen called Very Crazy G.I., The Strange But True Stories of the Vietnam War. And one of the stories is said to be written by the account of a unit of six men from the 101st Airborne Division. This particular unit was taking a rest when the trees about 15 yards uphill from them suddenly began to shake violently Naturally, given the environment, the soldiers assumed the shaking was caused by the enemy rushing towards them, preparing for an attack. And they'd assumed, you know, hey, we better probably take some shelter. However, as the soldiers watched the trees swaying back and forth, they saw this strange creature kind of passing through the trees. They said it had an oblong head with a face covered in reddish-brown hair, and it possessed an abnormally large mouth and deep, deep-set eyes hiding in the brush. This actual account was published by Brent Swanser in his article, The Mysterious Rock Apes of the Vietnam War. When this bizarre creature fully emerges, the soldiers were able to get a better look at it, and they said it was about five feet tall, very muscular, and covered in this matted reddish hair. The creature stood on two legs like a human and examined the soldiers just as they were examining it. As the soldiers argued over whether or not the creature might be an orangutan, it retreated back into the jungle just as quickly as it had emerged. Another incident occurred in 1966 in a location known as The Hill 686 in the Quang Nam province, the home of several rock ape sightings throughout the war. A marine unit was reporting to their captain they had spotted movement in the brush, which they assumed was caused by a Viet Cong. The captain told his unit over the radio not to fire. Not long after, the unit reported back that rather than a Viet Cong, they were being surrounded by hairy bipedal humanoid creatures. The captain told the unit that rather than firing on the creatures, they should instead just throw rocks at them. However, this backfired as the creatures began throwing the rocks back at them. At this point, the Marines guessed there were hundreds, if not more, of these creatures too far overwhelming of an amount to stick to their current plan. The Marines were told to change tactics and use their bayonets to fight the creatures. Soon after the order was given, the captain heard over the radio what sounded like an epic battle. Afterwards, men were sent out to investigate the location, which was covered with injured but not dead Marines 
which might be expected, but also allegedly the bodies of several rock apes. This became known as the Battle of Dong Din, though only the though the only evidence of the event and the dead rock ape bodies that were littering the battlefield seemed to be eyewitness accounts, as with most of these alleged sightings. Yet another account comes from an unnamed GI. This man gives a description of the rock ape he encountered, which, like the other accounts, was recorded in Jorgensen's book. The GI said, An oblong head framed the hair-covered face. Dark, deep-set-in eyes lay beneath a prominent brow, and they did nothing to complement the heavy jowls and angry mouth. Now, some evidence has come about. In 1970, Dr. John McKinnon claimed he had found the tracks that had been identified by the locals as coming from the Batatut, which is an entity of the Vietnamese folklore resembling the rock apes. The tracks had human-looking toes, but were said to have been around the size of those of an Asiatic black bear, which are not native to Vietnam. In 1974, Professor Vo Quai, or Vo Quy of the Vietnam National University, led by a North Vietnamese scientific expedition, said the expedition had found prints that were described as wider than a human print, but too large to be that of an ape. And we'll include a photo of that supposed print. What makes the recorded sightings of rock apes unique is that these accounts are generally published in books about the Vietnam conflict that feature veterans recounting their experience, and not in books that focus on cryptozoology. Meaning, essentially, you're finding most of these stories in books about, you know, just the soldiers' experiences, not in books about Bigfoots and other encounters. Perhaps this is why most rock ape theories consider natural explanations rather than cryptozoological ones. The most common theory here is that soldiers are actually seeing what is called a Tonkin snub-nosed monkey. However, these monkeys do not come near to fitting the descriptions given by the witnesses. Other suggestions for the misidentified mammals could be the Barbary macaques, gibbons, or giant orangutans. Of course, given the mysteriousness of the creatures sighted, more unusual explanations have been given. Some suggest that rock apes could be surviving the population of hominids of early ancestors of humans, or even a surviving population of Gigantopithecus. Others have suggested that they are just an undiscovered species of primate, which is always the cop-out answer for, you know, what exactly a Bigfoot is. And finally, given the time and place which the sightings happen, it's probably not surprising that some have speculated the soldiers who experienced these encounters may have been under the influence of LSD at the time of the sightings. So what exactly are the rock apes of Vietnam? We may probably never know, just like Bigfoot and the Yowie and the Yaren and everything else that Bigfoot has been called across the planet. But for now, just like Bigfoot and other bipedal ape-like cryptids, all we really have to go on is these accounts from returning soldiers and a handful of footprint casts. And that is just a short cryptid encounter of the rock ape. So I'd have to say, presto, that, you know, after hearing what your dad had to say and after reading countless websites about these rock apes, 
I'd almost be willing to give you more credence over this than potential Bigfoot sightings. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. like Dad said, like when he looked at the bodies the next morning, um, you know, the Wichita Zoo had orangutans, you know, at at that point. So right. that's what a lot of soldiers um, kind of likened it to because they they knew what orangutans were, but they would always say this wasn't an orangutan. Um, the face wasn't that of a monkey. Like it, it had very strange human-like creatures, and you know, when he got good with the, the village elder and he was like trying to ask more about it. Um, he, the village elder basically just said that like what they referred to him as were like the ugly people, um, Mm -hmm. who lived in the jungle and that like, you just don't fuck with them. Like, you know, they had certain points, um, at night where like they wouldn't go out anymore because they knew if they encountered the ugly people, like the ugly people were going to fuck them up. Um, you know, orangutans, <laughs> chimpanzees, they don't make crude spears, they don't use tools, and Dad said that the shit that was thrown at him, like, you could tell that it was, like, hand-cut, um, it, very, like, you almost think, like, Neanderthal-type weapons. Um, they were simple but effective, and, he, you know, he personally did not believe that it was, like, an undiscovered monkey, because that's what, basically, the CEOs would tell them, that's what it was, like, oh, don't worry about it, it's just a fucking monkey. Or in Dad's case, he was told not to re- put in the report at all. Like, they didn't want to hear anything about it. Huh. So it makes me wonder if maybe they're, like, some kind of endangered species, too. You know what? Like, oh, shit, you guys just killed, you know, 30 of these things. <laughs> <laughs> Oops. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, the world may never know. Yeah. But what I do know is I think it's time to wrap up this episode, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> Well, we want to thank everybody for listening and joining us and all the recent support we've got. Uh, we want to say thank you very much for everybody who is taking a notice and a liking to 13 Nightmares, our companion podcast, our sister podcast, what have you. Uh, it's been very, very fun so far to uh, get that show started, and we look forward to that, plus all the fun stuff we have planned in the future for Pixelated Paranormal as well. And speaking of that, guys, we've got a Patreon set up. It benefits the entire network of shows. And there is a special little donation spot on there called Paranormal Nightmares. And that money is a way for you, if you'd like, to uh, show your support through a dollar in the tip jar, so to speak, if you're liking what we're doing. And with that, you know, we'll have some other stuff coming up in the future for the Patreon. I don't think we're going to do anything for Pixelated Paranormal that's going to cause any kind of paywall our creed has always been to provide 100% free content for Pixelated Paranormal. We might make some special stuff for 13 Nightmares. We're still cooking up some special ideas for that. All right, speaking of the Pixelated Sausage Network, please check out Mark's solo show, Pixelated Sausage. Check out his Attack the Backlog as well. Check us out on Instagram, PXL Paranormal. That is where all of our show notes and companion photos go, as well as other fun little posts we make in between episodes. We're also on Twitter, PXL Paranormal, and we have our Facebook page, The Pixelated Paranormal Podcast. Please feel free to tag us in articles. Send us your stories. And speaking of stories, please email us your personal paranormal stories. Something you saw, something you heard that went bump in the night. What is your own personal paranormal story? Please share that with us. We'd love to share it on an episode. Yeah, and don't forget to rate and review us on iTunes. We haven't had one of those in a while. Yeah, it's so been a little while. 
three stars, four stars, five stars, you know, I think we're five stars. Whatever it is you think, go ahead and put a couple stars on there for us. Yeah, yeah, please do. We'd love to know what you're thinking. Please feel free to write in, too, with suggestions, or maybe there's a topic that you'd love us to tackle. We would love to hear about it. Yeah. Hell yeah. Preston, what's my favorite sports car podcast? Sports Cars Unleashed, where if you're not first, you're last. Mm Mm-hmm. All right, Presto, what do you have for us? And as always, if you need a beard, if you want a beard, if you want to grow a sexy rock ape beard, check out (laughs) BigDobsBeardBomb.com and use promo code PXLPARA for 20% off your order for succulent scents such as Dundee, Cedar, Bay Rum, Sweet Tobacco, Classic, Citrus, Mint. Man, we can't go wrong with Big Dobbs. Mm-hmm. And if you want the rest of your body to smell good too, check out our friends over at Gunslinger Soap, making homemade, handmade artisan soaps. They smell pretty damn fantastic as well. And then Wichita people, please check out some of our local friends. Check out CD Trade Post over at Pawnee and Seneca. Stop in sometimes, say hi to Leslie and the rest of the gang. Check out my friends down at Fast Print near Rock Road and Harry. If you guys have anything you need to print, artists, if you want to get some pretty fantastic prints, that's where I go to get all my artwork done. If you just need a stack of flyers for your garage sale, pop on down there and check them out anyway. Otherwise, I think that just about does it. Anything else you want to plug, buddy? What about that uh, bakery place that you were telling me about? Oh, yeah. We're going to do a special, I think, a special uh, on-location plug for them. So, oh, uh, yeah, we'll leave that We'll leave that hanging there for a second and let you guys wonder just what the hell it is we're talking about. Yeah, and then uh, if you're around the Wichita area and you spot, uh, what was it, Bigfoot Ted, Bigfoot Bill? Oh, yeah, uh, the Bigfoot that was downtown... Oh, God, what was that called? You saw him at uh, Espresso to Go-Go, right? Yeah. Hold on a second. I got a picture here of you on the Instagram. Bigfoot Brian. That's what it was called, Bigfoot Brian. Yeah, take a photo. Tag us in it. We'd love to see where you're you're catching this guy at. And, dude, also, I don't... Oh, man, wow, I just about choked on a burp. Also, if you're in the Wichita area... Let us know if you've seen Waldo anywhere nearby. Have you seen this dude, Preston? No, I have not. (laughs) There's a dude dressed up in full Where's Waldo garb, uh, and we saw him on the corner underneath the Kellogg overpass at West Street when we were going to dinner one night, and then we saw him again on one of those, um, the bridges, the walkways that go over Kellogg. Uh, he was just standing up there in the middle of a walkway waving at the uh, the traffic below. So <laughs> people have seen this dude. He's just dressed up as Waldo just all throughout Wichita. Hell yeah. Yeah. There you go. Nothing wrong with a little cosplay. Do what you like. Yeah. Do you, boo. Do, Do you. you. Cool. All right. Well, I think we tackled everything we need to tackle. So we will catch you guys all next time. On behalf of Steve, I'd like to say cheers to the weird shit in the world and those of us that love to talk about it. Stay spooky and stay on the Paranormal Highway. The cast at Pixelated Paranormal would like to thank you for listening to this week's episode. Pixelated Paranormal is here to tell you tales of the fantastical, the strange, the unknown. Tales that will move you a little further down the Paranormal Highway. If you'd like to share your own listener story, we would love to hear it. Email us at pixelatedparanormal at gmail.com. Again, that's pixelatedparanormal at gmail.com. We'd really love to hear from you. Again, 
Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Pixelated Paranormal, your guide to the unusual and the strange.